Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Hakun Wong and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me for this special episode of Scares and Dares is my co-host, Duane Kong. Hi, everyone. All right. So as per usual, this episode of each and every week is us talking about our favorite scares and then those prop bets that we dare to make in week 16. And of course, last week we had our picks made and... Uh, I'll just go ahead and walk through those. I don't know if we want to talk about them too much, but we had Carson Wentz at 225.5 total passing yards. Joanne took the under on 225.5 total passing yards for Carson Wentz. And she also took the under on 226.5 total passing yards for Mac Jones. So how did that turn out for you, Joanne? 50-50. All right. 50-50. Um, it should have been, uh, you know, 100%. <laughs> but, right. Um, you know, the Indianapolis Colts just decided they weren't going to play in the fourth quarter. Um, and, you know, they won. But as expected, Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz. He had 57 passing yards. Right, but they, they won. They, they won. won. <laughs> they, they won. They, they, all they needed was Jonathan Taylor to get break off that 60-yard run at the end of the game to close it off. That's right. But they needed to let Mac Jones catch up at the end so they had better ratings. That's uh, basically what happened. Yeah. They under 3.5 total passing touchdowns in INTs. Uh, so for Chris Godwin, we all know, unfortunately, he tore his ACL and MCL halfway through the game. He's done for the season. That is real shame to see Chris Godwin go off the rest of the season. A real shame. A real shame. Uh, and, I, <laughs> and I'll say this, though. He was well on his way to beating 60.5 receiving yards in that game. He had 49 yards halfway through the game. He was definitely Tom Brady's favorite target, even though Tom Brady was totally off-kilter that game. Um, and Go off yes, that's, that's a top rating we like to see. Yeah, <laughs> and he did tell uh, he did tell the uh, defensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers to go f himself. So that's vintage Tom Brady as well. But that being said, Chris Godwin did not meet 60.5. Although, like I said, I think he was well on his way until he derailed the injury. Matthew Stafford is currently playing right now, so we don't know what's going to happen. But he's under 3.5 total pass touchdowns and INTs at least through the uh, near the end of the first quarter. So, I don't know. I think I'm going to get that one. So, there you go. That was our picks of the week last week. And, of course, this week we're going to talk about our favorite scare of the week, and that's going to be the 2021 film Sensor. And we're going to talk about that in a second. And then we're going to give you our picks that we are daring to make in terms of prop bets in week 16. So, without further ado, let's get this rolling.
Okay, so the first thing that we're going to do, of course, is talk about our scare of the week. And our scare of the week this week is Censor, which is a 2021 British psychological horror film directed by Pranel Bailey Bond. It was produced from a screenplay by Bailey Bond and Anthony Fletcher. And the film stars Naomi Alger, Nicholas Burns, Vincent Franklin, Sophia Laporta, Adrian Schiller, and Michael Smiley. If you are saying, I've never heard of those people, that's probably because you're not British or Irish, because all the actors are from uh, the U.K., so there you go. Anyway, uh, this film was released in uh, 2021 at the Sundance Film Festival, and it received a Mille d'Or prize for Best European Fantastic Film. Uh, so clearly had plenty of laudatory remarks from reviewers. The question is, was it any good? Okay, so let me start with this one. Last week, we had Joanne start, and we talked about the Nick Cage movie, uh, Willy's Wonderland. This week, I will start talking about Censor, and I'm going to get a little philosophical on all you and if you are a film major, you're going to enjoy this. If you're not a film major, you're probably going to zone out really quick. But I think Censor, in part, was a psychological horror movie and in part was a slasher movie. And on the psychological side, I think it plays on our favorite folks, those people who censor movies. And the interesting thing about censors that they kind of pointed out in this movie is that they have to watch everything that they censor, right? In order to figure it out, they have to watch everything. So in a way, movie censors have to watch everything that they're presumably trying to protect the public from, which raises the question, what effect does that have on a person long-term? And if they are censoring things that they believe that will harm the public, how are they being affected by having to watch it all? Of course, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't subscribe to the idea that movies make us do anything, but the impact, on the, the impact of this job on a movie censor is really uh, kind of interesting. And it's something that hasn't been touched on, I think, before in movies. And on top of that, Enid, our protagonist movie censor, has some latent guilt for losing her sister when she was a little girl. And it's unclear from the movie what happened to her sister, because I always see our things in flashbacks, and I'm not going to spoiler alert exactly what's, what happens at the end, but it's clear she feels she has some responsibility, in part because her dad implies that it's at least partially her fault. So you layer on the fact that you have that lack of parental approval on top of that, and you have the basis for basically every personality disorder you can think of. Uh, so from that perspective, it's a great character study, I think, of how extreme the consequences are when all those things cause a person to lose track of reality. Now, on the slasher side of the movie, well, let me just say that uh, the movie scenes that Enid has and her colleagues have to watch and screen for censoring and her warped memories of her sister and, the mo and how the movie ultimately ends, there's, there's plenty, plenty of stabbing, cutting, and slashing. So I think that's where the slasher movie part comes in. But from a film perspective, I also note that I think that the director effectively forces our perspective by changing the dimensions of what we're watching by slowly and selectively truncating our view to match an old 4x3 TV screen and then also selectively adding a VHS-like graininess over the film. I thought that was very interesting, although I've seen that before in other movies. And I thought it was a great way, though, to delineate the character point of view. That is, the, what is the character seeing and actually what is going on, or perhaps better yet, making it unclear what reality really is. So that is my exposition on censor. I'm not going to talk about the details of what happened. You have to watch it uh, for yourself. But uh, Joanne, your thoughts on censor? Um, yeah, I, I, I agree on a lot of uh, what you had pointed out there. It was interesting uh, in a case study of, for an individual. Like, But, you know, one of the things I think I did like is what you said about that graininess of mm -hmm. that VHS perspective. Mm -hmm. I liked where I liked the time period that the movie took place. I like right. that it took place somewhere in the eighties, yep. I believe. Yep. Um, they're still watching, you know, VHS tapes 
which I doubt they do today, but I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. Maybe I don't know. Do. Maybe they do. But, like, I think this, like, very, like, gray, darkened color that you see throughout the movie, it almost creates a very, like, eerie setting. Like, right from the beginning of the movie. You don't really know what's going on. You know what this woman does. But, like, what is really going on? Everything is a little dimmed. You know, like, and I always say this, like, who works in an office that is so dark? It's pretty dark. I mean, like... Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Life is not that they, dark. They watch movies for a living. Of course you're going to turn the lights down. But the hallways should be lit. Well, you know, you don't want to hurt your eyes when you come out of that screening room. That's all I'm saying. So, so. I really liked this setting that they created because they created a kind of unsettling feeling throughout the movie. They certainly did. They talk about horror movies and things that shouldn't and should not be in movies, but... They don't really show it to you all the time. Right. So they kind of leave it to the imagination when they say, no, that should not be in there. Right, right. In any movie. Like, that is going to damage someone. What? I don't know. They didn't show it to us. So I think just that part of the movie I I liked. But like you said, it has been done before. Um, the change in perspective. I mean, you know, it's it's been done before. It's not an original piece of work. But it was, you know, well done. Yeah, I mean, a horror movie about a movie censor. That, that's the part I think that, that we haven't seen very much of. But anyway, 2021 movie, by the way, a brisk one hour and 24 minutes. So even if you don't like it that much, it doesn't take up much of your time. It's Pretty good. low commitment there in yeah. terms of timing for a movie. So I like that because they do keep it brisk. They could have made this much longer than that, yeah. and that would have been bad. That would so, have been terrible. So I think the timing was absolutely correct. Uh, critics review now on Rotten Tomatoes. They uh, give it an 89% on the tomato meter uh, based on 153 reviews. Audience score is actually under that at 57%, so very interesting there. Critics love it. Audiences are a little bit more split on it. Uh, critics' consensus is that occasionally uneven but bold and viscerally effective. Censor marks a bloody good step forward for British horror, and of course I will admit that I am all good on all things British, so that certainly has impacted me as well. Anyway, it's worth streaming in my mind, but let's give, uh, get Joanne's thoughts on this. On a four stars, what are you giving it? I think I'm going to give this a 2.5 star. 2.5. Okay. I'm going to give it 3.5. I really think it was a great movie. I really enjoyed it. And I thought there was a lot of things there to talk about after it was done. You can catch it yourself on Hulu, streaming on Hulu. So go ahead and check that out. Okay. So that's all we got for our scare of the week. So let's go ahead and hit the boxing bell on that. And let's move on to some business on the football field and those picks that we dare to make for player prop bets in week 16. Joanne, you want to get us kicked off here? So the first pick that I'm going to make is Josh Allen. It's over and under 1.5 passing touchdowns. Mm -hmm. So guess which one I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick the over. Okay. That might be surprising because Josh Allen in week 16, they're going to be playing the Patriots at Gillette Field. So Gillette Stadium. Right. So, I mean, we saw what damage uh, the Patriots did you know, to the Bills. So, right. but I'm going to say that was weather related. That wasn't the actual Bills, even though, interesting. even though they have been kind of on a slide in yep. the second half of this season. I'd say. But saying that, um, I, I really believe Josh Allen is just going to go out there and, you know, weather, you know, <laughs> the, the weather, you know, being what it is. Yep. We're hoping for a clear, clear week, clear okay. day All right. on Sunday. And, you know, he's going to go out there and he's going to throw at least 
two touch passing touchdowns. All right. So Josh Allen over under 1.5 passing touchdowns. Joanne's got the over on that on Josh Allen. Okay, so my first prop bet pick of the week is another quarterback, and that's Justin Herbert. And the current prop bet for that is 285.5 total yards, uh, and that's passing and rushing yards. So 285.5 total passing and rushing yards. And I am taking the over, the over on 285.5 passing and rushing yards. Now, let me tell you why. So, just, so you know, we all have – there was a lot of – a lot of, uh, of uh, talk about Justin Herbert coming into the season, and he had a little bit of a bumpy start here and there, and, and he didn't maybe didn't look like he did last season. But you know what? He is picking it up greatly. And nine out of 14 games this season, he's exceeded 285 passing plus, plus rushing yards. So nine out of 14 times. And now he gets to face the Houston Texans. Now, the Texans' defense allows the fifth most total yards per game this season, 378.4. 378.4 total yards. That's a lot. Texans also allow the six most yards per completion to opposing quarterbacks, 7.6 per completion, and they have the 10th least sacks of opposing quarterbacks this season at 29. So they don't sack the quarterback. They allow a lot of uh, completions. They allow uh, lots of yards per completion, and they allow uh, a lot of total yards. I think this is a great script for Justin Herbert to add to his totals and get to 10 of 15 instead of 9 of 14. And to top it all off, Houston has the third lowest time of possession in the league this year at only 27 minutes and 43 seconds, meaning more time for the Chargers offense and more opportunity for Justin Herbert. And let me just go ahead and put the icing on the cake here. Herbert has been averaging 277.1 passing yards per game. That's good for fifth best in the NFL. He also averages 20.3 rushing yards per game for a grand total of, drum roll please, 297.4 passing passing plus rush yards per game. That's 297.4 total, which guess what? is more than 285.5. So I am taking the over. I think all the numbers point to over, and I'd be shocked if he doesn't reach this. What's your next uh, prop bet pick there? I'm going to go with Daryl Henderson. Okay. Running back for the Rams. He's playing right now Mm -hmm. against Seattle. Yep. Uh, So in uh, week 16, uh, they will be, uh, unfortunately, it is Daryl Henderson over and under 75.5 rushing and passing yards. Okay. So this is interesting because Daryl Henderson has not played in the last two weeks. Yep. Um, first he had an injury, then he had COVID. Mm-hmm. He is playing today. He is. And um, Sean McVay had said that Henderson and Sonny Michelle would be splitting carries. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, at this point, Sony Michelle has not t- has taken all the carries, and this is coming into the second quarter of the game tonight. So uh, interesting development there. Yeah. So I mean, like, there's a lot of things in the air. Maybe it's COVID related. Maybe it's not a hundred percent. Sure. But regardless of that, um, you know, uh, before the injury, Henderson was the leading running back for the Rams. But if you look at his stats leading up to his injury. I mean, he hasn't reached 75.5 rushing and receiving yards combined. Mm-hmm. Um, the best game he had was uh, the game against Green Bay, um, and that was just before his injury, where he had 73 yards. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and in that game, you know, um, uh, Sonny Michelle had only 15 yards and three attempts. Right. So uh, so now you, you flip it around. Michelle has done great over the past past two weeks while, you know, 
uh, Henderson has not been there. Right. I mean, we're talking like, you know, against Arizona, he's had, you know, 80 yards rushing and receiving. Right. And against Jacksonville, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, he had 125. Right. Because we all can get 125 yards against yes. Jacksonville I mean, Jaguars. granted, yes. Against <laughs> the Jacksonville Jaguars, we could all do it. Right. But regardless, he's really earned his place on the team now. Okay. So... Uh, now that if it is what it is and they are splitting carries, I don't see Henderson getting over 75.5 rushing yards. So I'm going to – so even with Minnesota having one of the worst defenses this year, I'm going to have to go with the under. Okay, so you're going to take the under on Daryl Henderson's 75.5 rushing plus passing yards uh, this coming weekend. Interesting. And we'll see how that uh, turns out. Of course, we're still getting information on how he does in week 15. So right. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Although we do know he had one, one, uh, one target so one far. Target yep. and no, one, one yard. One right? target for one yard yeah. so far is what, what we what we're sitting go. at about uh, early into the second quarter. So we'll see what happens going forward with that. Okay. So my second pick of the week is Cooper cup. So Cooper cup, has a current prop bet now of 92.5 total receiving yards. That's Cooper Cup at 92.5 total receiving yards against the Minnesota Vikings. I'm taking the over on 92.5 total receiving yards here. Now let me just tell you why. Cooper Cup, 12 out of his 13 games this season, has had at least 92 yards. 12 out of 13. And now he's facing, like I said, the Minnesota Vikings. All right. The Vikings allow the fourth most passing yards per game this season, 252.1 passing yards per game this season. And Cooper Cup averages 114.5 receiving passing yards, uh, receiving yards this season. So you just look at that and you say, well, this, you know, how is he not going to exceed 92.5? And if you want to get some history on this, I'll give you some history. In the last two games against the Vikings, Cup has averaged 113 yards per game, basically in line with his average this season. So I don't see any reason why he won't reach that again. Now, is it possible that Cup goes under 92.5 receiving yards against the Vikings? Sure. Anything's possible, right? Pigs can fly, and, you know, Cooper Cup may get under 92.5 receiving yards against the Vikings. But is it likely? Nope. I don't think so. Like I said, he's exceeded that number basically 12 out of 13 games. He averages over that number by a good, healthy amount by almost by almost 20 yards. He's uh, exceeded that by almost 20 yards per game against the Vikings in the past, and the Vikings allow the fourth most passing yards per game this season. I am taking the over on Cooper Cup, 92.5 total receiving yards. And that brings us to the end of the show, because that's our four picks. Let's put the air horn on the show. And there you go, another week of great scares and dares. So everyone go out and watch Censor on Hulu, because that's fun. <laughs> At least I think it was, it's fun. It was fun. I think it was I mean, fun. You know, for a recent horror movie, it was well done. Yeah. It was. Yeah. I mean, like, there isn't that many horror movies that – you could be like, oh, you know, that's new. So, and that's why, you know, it's very hard to do that. But they did give it a very good feel. Yeah. A horror feel. Yeah, and it's British. So, you know. And it's British. It's yeah. British. And it's in the 80s. Yes. It's two pluses right there. You know, maybe I should have given it a three because it's British. Yeah, there um, you go. And it's in the 80s. You love the 80s. That's 3.5. We're almost at four now. <laughs> Look at that. We're working our way up. Anyway, Joanne, why don't you give us uh, your social media so people can follow you? It is Twitter at Kung Fu for you. All right, and you can follow me uh, on Twitter at FB Garbage Time. And as usual, thank you for listening and wasting time with us. And until next time, good luck on your prop bet. Good luck on making it through these scary movies that we're recommending. And enjoy your NFL week. Bye. <laughs>